this morning. This is still more than money, but this is your host, Alyssa Young. Jean is away, so you hear some different music and you hear a different voice. Uh, Good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. It is a beautiful morning in the Lehigh Valley. It's October already, which I'm still struggling to believe. Um, But we are here broadcasting live and you can listen um, online, thanks to iHeartRadio. So if you're out and about, you might find it easier to stream this broadcast on your phone, um, through your car radio, on iHeartRadio. So you can find that link on morethanmoneyonline.com. Um, just click the listen button that pops up right on the screen, right on the homepage, and you'll hear us crystal clear without any static Um, You can call me today during this show for the next two hours. You can call 610-720-7900. Our technical guru, John Elliott, will answer the phone, and you can chat with him for a moment, and then I'll pick up, and uh, you can talk to me about your questions, and I'll do my best to answer them. Or you can send me an email at alyssa at askmtm.com. That's spelled A-L-Y-S-S-A, Alyssa at askmtm.com. So I do appreciate you joining me, even though Gene warned you that he wouldn't be here this morning. Um, I always say I don't have his 780 years of experience, but I have learned from him and I will do my very best to help you. And I have lots of hopefully interesting and helpful information to share with you today. Um, I want to let you know that MTM is on Hanoverville Road in Lower Nazareth Township. So we'll talk a lot during this show about ways we can help you. And that's where you can find us if you want to come visit us in person. Um, That office is between Nazareth and Bethlehem. And I always used to say, just like Jesus, I am Alyssa of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. (laughs) So, So just like MTM. So, yeah, that music, um, John cued that up for me, and um, I'm still not set on, you know, whether that's definitely my theme music. I am still open to suggestions. I have a few ideas. I love music of all types, and I've been thinking about it and jotting down some songs and still not sure what fits best. So if you have an idea for me, um, I want to hear it. So what are you doing this weekend? There's a couple things going on. Um, Garlic Fest and Oktoberfest are both happening this weekend. I have uh, today's Express Times in front of me. Yes, I still get a print edition of the newspaper delivered to my house every day because I'm a newspaper girl. Um, It's in my blood, I guess. I can't seem to let go of having the print edition at the kitchen table when I have my breakfast in the morning. Um, And I support, I'm trying to support all of my former colleagues at the Express Times. So I still enjoy it and um, I'm holding it in my hand right now to tell you that Easton's Garlic Fest is back for its 17th year in downtown Easton from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. today and Sunday. It's free to get in. I've never been to Garlic Fest, but I've heard good things. All of the festivals in Easton are always um, fun. 
and popular. And then Arts Quest is hosting Oktoberfest in Bethlehem this weekend. It's its 11th year, and that's at the Steel Stacks campus on the south side. Um, that's where we film our weekly PBS TV show. So Oktoberfest is noon to 10 p.m. today and noon to 6 p.m. Sunday. And that is also, it says October 8th to 10th is when um, Oktoberfest will continue. So you can go today and Sunday and then again October 8th to 10th in Bethlehem. Um, oh, there's also another one, Harvest Fest Street Fair. The Downtown Bethlehem Association is putting that on from 11 to 8 today in the area of Maine and Broad. They're right in Center City, Bethlehem. So um, lots of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Here's something else I never um, heard, heard about before. The Lehigh Valley Brewers Guild Beer Festival. That's today from noon to 4 in Emmaus Community Park. And they've got um, beer, cider, mead, live music, and food trucks. But you need a ticket for that. So you would find the Lehigh Valley Brewers Guild Facebook page to get a ticket for that. And then Phillipsburg is also having some um, events today. And yeah, today in Phillipsburg, today in Washington, there's a couple events. There's a lot of stuff going on. So you can find that story on lehighvalleylive.com if you don't have a print edition of the newspaper in front of you like I do. Um, my day will, after this, consist of uh, grocery shopping, a 10-mile run, and then tonight um, I will be at a soccer game cheering for my daughter and her team. And that's why I wasn't here the last two weeks. They had early morning games, so um, I went to support Juliana and her soccer team the last two Saturdays. They played tonight under the lights, and unfortunately... It's the same time my son and the Nazareth area high school football team will be playing. So if you're looking for something to do, you could go support the Blue Eagles at Bethlehem Area School District Stadium. They're playing Liberty. Um, I won't be there. My family will be there. I will be keeping tabs on the football game via my phone uh, while I'm watching some soccer. So... Um, I hope you all have something fun planned. It's beautiful weather, um, nice day. It's um, fall, it's kind of bittersweet. So I am training for my fourth marathon. Um, it's a 20-mile run tomorrow. Not real excited about that. But the weather is a little more cooperative um, than it used to be when it was hot and humid this summer. Um, I also dread the coming of winter, but my garden is still producing uh, peppers and eggplant. We just had the last harvest from our peach tree. Um, we have we planted a peach tree maybe six years ago, and this was the best year so far. We had maybe four harvests of sweet and juicy peaches. Um, I even made like a peach cobbler at the office one day. And I successfully grew cantaloupe in my garden this summer. That was super exciting for me. Um, just something different about that than growing, you know, zucchini and tomatoes and stuff. The cantaloupe were perfect. Um, it was That was fun. So I'll definitely plant those again. A couple of weeks ago, one of my clients brought me a fruit that she grew that I've never even heard of before. They're called pawpaws. She has trees on her farm in Lehigh County and... Um, they were delicious. It's a very unique consistency. Uh, I had never heard of them, um, but I enjoyed that. It was very nice of her to share those with me. So 
Um, it's, you know, garden season winding down, but it's definitely running weather, so that's a, that's a plus. So um, let's talk about other things more related to more than money. Um, I have lots of emailed questions that I can share with you, um, some answers, but if you have something on your mind that you want to talk about today or, you know, a theme song recommendation, you can call us here at 610-720-7900 or send me an email at alyssa at askmtm.com. So um, one of the things that's kind of you know, probably a popular topic maybe in your mind. And obviously, if you've been watching, you know, if you watch any of those 24-hour news channels or um, even, you know, reading reading news online, um, people are talking about uh, the stock market and, you know, maybe anticipating a market downturn. Or the, This was a rocky week. Um, market's kind of up and down. We had a few days where we had some significant um, drops in value. And I guess, you know, this time of year historically has weaker performance. I've seen it mentioned many times in, um, you know, the reports that I read about how September's not always the best month for the market. Um, so uh, you'll hear people talk about, the, I've heard this quote many times or this phrase many times, buying the dip, which is basically buy, buy low, right? While things are um, lower price, buy them then. And then when things go back up, you have a bigger gain. Um, so besides just kind of that up and down performance, we're, we're always hearing and talking right now about concerns about inflation and interest rates and rising taxes. Of course, COVID uh, and the Delta variant, um, probably the biggest impact, you know, I see um, the economy from that right now. Um, supply chain issues, they're a problem. Uh, companies are in a struggle to, you know, hit their their earnings goals if they can't produce and sell the things that they um, need to sell to make money. So uh, there are some struggles out there. Unfortunately, I have not yet found a crystal ball on Amazon Prime that I can get, you know, delivered for for free that um, is going to give us some real perfect uh, predictions or um, forecasts for what's to come. So the advice that I, you know, follow and um, you know, like to lean into is to plan and choose an appropriate strategy for you and talk about it. You know, so you have to have two-way communication. If you have an advisor that you trust, um, talking about your concerns, talking about what's going on, asking questions will give you some peace of mind. Um, but the way that we approach this is, you know, some proactive monitoring, looking at your portfolio, maybe making some adjustments, shifting things. You have to have a plan A, B, and C. But the biggest thing it's important to remember is you got to, you know, stick to your plan unless your goals or your strategy change. Um, it's really hard, but my advice is to separate the irrational, emotional behavior from facts, facts about problems or changes that are truly affecting the value and the future potential of your holdings of your investments. So trying not to react emotionally to things is super important and it might not be easy all the time, but that's really the best um, advice I've heard and that I can give. Um, I want to share with you some Really great insights from a book that I'm reading. I'm almost done with it, and um, 
if there's a section in it that relates very well to what I just said um, and what's going on in the market right now. Um, this book is called The Psychology of Money. It's written by Morgan Housel, and the uh, subtitle is Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. So Gene recommended this book. He read it, thought it was awesome, and got a couple of copies for us to read in the office. And I'm almost done with mine. And <laughs> the you know, if you know me, you know that, well, I don't really have a whole lot of time to read. I love to read. I have a pile of books that my, my mom circulates books and my aunt circulates books, and I borrow them, and I do enjoy them. But it takes me a while to get through them, mostly because I only read while I brush my teeth. So when I'm brushing my teeth at bedtime, I read because I do kind of brush my teeth for a while. So anyway, it's kind of a funny joke Um, in my uh, family and friends. They know kind of weird. But anyway, I'm reading this book while I brush my teeth. And I want to share something um, from it about um, how to respond to times like this. Um, the book advises that survival and longevity are what enable compounding. And compounding only works if you give an asset years and years to grow. You've heard Gene talk about this. Compounding can lead to extraordinary results. The book says, you know, you don't need tremendous returns. You just need time and consistency. So stay in your in your portfolio, keep your keep your money where it is. Keep your money in the market. Keep it invested. With time and consistency, you get compounding. You just need to survive. And here's a quote from the book. Merely good returns sustained uninterrupted for the longest period of time, especially in times of chaos and havoc, will always win. That's really good. I'm going to read it again. Merely good returns sustained uninterrupted for the longest period of time, especially in times of chaos and havoc, will always win. So this book says uh, keeping your cool when everyone, you know, the market, the economy is going crazy will give you the most success. One other good quote from that book, um, a good definition of an investing genius is the man or woman who can do the average thing when all those around them are going crazy. So I hope that gives you some peace of mind and maybe some confidence that keeping with your strategy, staying the course is not a dangerous thing to do. It's a wise thing to do. Um, so again, that book is called The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. And I will share some more Really good stuff from that book as we go through the show. Um, but first, we have a caller on the line. His name is Ron. Good morning, Ron. Thanks for calling. Good morning, Alyssa. I, I have a question. I don't know if it's true or not. A friend of mine said to me something about the Carnova virus. Have they the government said that you didn't have to take your mandatory deduction from your IRA. Is that true or not true? That was true last year. So last year, you did not need to take your required minimum distribution out of your retirement accounts due to the pandemic, but that is not the case for 2021. So RMDs are required this year. They were not required last year. Oh, boy. So I missed out on it. They didn't tell me that until later, and I'll end up taking money out, and the bank didn't even stop me. Oh, so you took your RMD in 2020? 
2020. What's that? Last year, you took your RMD last year. Oh yeah, year? yeah, oh yeah. I I had to take the money out in 2020. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I'm starting to lose track of this time factor because I'm getting older. Well, you know what? You're not the only one, Ron. Um, I feel like time is a blur for a lot of us with this pandemic. It's um, the last two years have kind of blurred together. And I, I had this conversation with someone um, young, so it's not just you. I had the same conversation like this past week about how it's hard to remember when things happened and um, it's very weird, very weird time. Um, I don't know enough about whether or not you can get any kind of like credit or, you know, if there's anything you can do um, to adjust for the fact that you took it out and you didn't need to. So I would encourage you to call our office next week um, during business hours and we, we can talk to one of our members of our tax team and just see if they know if there's um anything that you could do because you took it and didn't need to, if that could maybe help you, you know, with this year or next year. I, I do not know if it's an option, but we can certainly ask the question just in case and, and see if there's anything, um, you know, you can do to kind of make up for that. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess I got tripped. I had to pay the tax and I had to do my taxes. So Aww. I had to declare that. So I'll probably, probably long gone now, but that's, it's too bad I missed that somehow. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, you know, it's tough to keep on top of all the different changes and things that happen. It's um, there's a there's a lot a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Um, and, and whether or not you can keep on top of it and you hear the right information, it's tricky. But, um, you know, uh, you here being here listening hopefully will help you in the future to avoid that kind of thing. So, thank you for listening and thanks for calling. And um, I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. Same is said to you. Thanks, Ron. Bye-bye. Take care. All right. So, yeah, Ron is, um, he did hear correctly, but unfortunately he heard a little too late. Um, you did not need to take your RMD last year, but that's not the case for 2021. Um, if you have any questions about that, our team's always happy to help. Um, so, speaking of questions, I have a few here. I will read you one we got by email. This is from a woman who says, I have an IRA worth $216,000 and about $7,000 in cash from dividends uh, with a financial advisor managing them in New York. I moved to the Lehigh Valley about nine years ago, and I turned 63 in June. I'm receiving a monthly pension payment of $900 a month. In my second career, I'm working as a teacher at a private Christian school, only earning $25,000. I'm retiring this year. My husband makes $190,000 a year, and our health insurance is through his work. He has his own retirement account. I would like to talk with someone about Social Security and retirement planning in general. Perhaps I could set up a phone discussion first. I'd like to make sure I know all of the information required to review my current investments and my best plan for retirement. Uh, absolutely. Um, this woman is doing a good thing about um, asking and, and making sure she knows all of her options before making a decision, particularly about Social Security. Um, y- if you listen to this regularly, you have already learned that you can have a strategy for Social Security that's going to help you maximize either your cash flow or your lifetime income from that benefit um, if you don't just knee-jerk reaction and take it immediately. You might not, it might not always be what's best for you. We have to weigh um, 
all your needs and the options to make that decision. So anyway, um, first of all, kudos for for asking and for helping um, getting help to make a plan. Um, this is a classic example of we need to weigh what you need with what you have and how best to align those. Um, you've heard us talk about this before where when you sit down with one of our wonderful advisors at MTM Financial Group, we start that conversation with, you know, what do you need to be able to spend every month? What are your expenses? What's that spending goal? And then our objective is to then figure out the best way to have a cash flow that's going to accommodate that. So this woman is talking about having a pension. Right now she has a modest income, but she's retiring, so that income will stop. And then she has some investments that she can use to pay her bills. And then she's got her husband's current salary. She doesn't say when he plans to retire, um, but he also that he has his own retirement account doesn't say how much he has. So, of course, there's some holes that we would need to fill and we would sit down and and fill those, you know, those informational holes. Um, but what we would do is ultimately find out what that spending needs to be. That's our target. And then we can look at the pension. We can look at the potential Social Security uh, and see where how how much the pension and Social Security cover of that monthly expense. And then what's the gap that we need to fill? Um, so we want to manage their their investments, their assets in a way that they can hopefully live on the growth from them um, and not deplete them before their their lives are over. So that's always our goal is to make sure that if you're um, relying on those investments to provide you with an income that you don't outlive them. Um, so we want to make sure that you're getting some growth there that will accommodate your you know, the, the, how much money you need to be taking out and, and then the balance isn't just going down to zero. So we would be happy to sit down with this woman and her husband and go through those uh, numbers and, and talk about the options and make sure that she can feel confident and comfortable that, um, you know, she can make those things line up. So um, come talk to us and we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, let's see. I've got another question here. It says, I will be retiring in four months, and I think I have my plans pretty well set. The only thing that does worry me is losing my paycheck. I've had my paycheck direct deposited to my bank account every two weeks for 35 years. Now that I'll be living off my investments, I don't know when they each pay. How do I pay monthly expenses when some of the funds I own only pay annually. I would really like to understand the mechanics. All right, good question. So essentially what you're asking here is how can I get a paycheck when I'm retired? So it's really that income stream, um, a regular income stream to pay those regular bills um, and it's a cash flow problem, right? Making sure money's coming in on time to be able to pay the bills that you um, you know know are coming or expect. So um, as this email states, you know different types of investments do generate income streams, and some of them have you know kind of sporadic deposits, if you will, sort of you know like a dividend or interest payment. They're you know more frequent, and then you've got 
the types of, you know, monthly, um, like an annuity could give you a monthly income stream, for example. There's lots of different um, things you can expect. And some of them don't actually pay income. Your investments just um, appreciate in value. And in order to take that value out and use the money, you have to sell them, sell the investments, sell the securities. So, um the other, the other option, or the other, excuse me, the other component of this would be if you have an account that has a required minimum distribution. So you need to take money out, and you have a set amount, a minimum you need to take out of the account um, every year. And so, how do you break that up so that you're paying monthly bills with that annual distribution? So we can actually set up this basically retirement paycheck for you. You tell us what you want or need, and we can make it happen so that you are getting a direct deposit in your bank, just like your paycheck was, coming out of your investments. Um, we would just say, for example, take your your portfolio and leave some cash in the account um, to pay for a few months of those expenses, and then set up a scheduled payment to you that covers what you need you know, to be able to spend. Um, there's lots of different ways that we can do it in the back end, but you don't need to worry necessarily about how it, the exact ways of how it's happening. You will just see that your uh, in portfolio is providing you with a retirement paycheck. So you're going to see that money coming into your bank account. We um, use Charles Schwab as a custodian. Charles Schwab has a feature called MoneyLink. MoneyLink is the way that you connect your bank account to your investment account. So we would set it up for you so that that connection happens and you can get that um, retirement paycheck coming into your bank. We can even withhold taxes for you uh, from that income stream so that, you know, you don't have to worry about the tax bill part of it. It is withheld as it's coming to you um, so that at the end of the year when you file your tax return, um, you have met your tax obligations from that income stream. So um, if you're interested in you know more details about that, we can get more specific depending on, like I said, depending on your needs, um, we can customize it. But it is definitely possible so you don't have to be without uh, cash flow, if you will, when you are retired. Um, so we're coming up on our 8.30 break. Um, if you have a question on your mind, you can give us a call 610-720-7900 or send me an email, alyssa at askmtm.com. And when we are back from the break, I will be happy to chat with you, answer your questions, and um, take your song recommendations. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and we will be back in just a few minutes.
John Elliott is very creative with the music. You know, he's enjoying this musical freedom when Gene's not here. <laughs> so I love it. We're just mixing it up, keeping you on your toes. Um, well, maybe we'll just play a different song every single time. <laughs> John says that works for him. Uh, thank you so much for listening, for joining me on this beautiful Saturday morning. I'm still drinking my coffee. Uh, hopefully my sleepiness isn't coming through. I'm, I'm tired. But you know what? I'm happy to be here with you, and I'm hoping I can help you at least a little bit. Um, one of the things I wanted to make sure you all know is that MTM puts out a monthly newsletter via email and via snail mail. So you can receive that either way or both ways if you want. Um, we'd be happy to provide it to you. And the newsletter has some Q&A just like you hear on this show, just like you see on Gene's TV shows. Um, and also usually a letter from Gene and some helpful tips depending on the time of year, you know, like during tax season, we'll have some tax information that you need to know and things like that. So um, it's definitely worth getting. It's free. So why not? Um, the best way to request it is by visiting morethanmoneyonline.com and go to the media menu. And one of the options in that drop down is subscribe to our newsletter. So you can just fill out that form. And Megan is amazing, and she will add you to the list and make sure that you receive it, whether you want it by mail or snail mail. Um, you can even call our office just to request to be added if you don't want to do it via our website. So I'll give you the phone number for our office at the end of the show, and um, that's another way you can reach us. So you can call and say, hey, I heard about your monthly newsletter. Can you sign me up? And whoever answers the phone will take down your information and add you to our list of subscribers. Um, or you can send me an email and I'll make sure that you get it. Um, speaking of my email, you can reach me there with questions during the show or during the week. <laughs> um, my email address is alyssa at askmtm.com. Or you can call us here during the show with your questions. Um, the phone number is 610-720-7900. That's the number to the radio station here um, where you would call with your questions. Not That's not the phone number for our office. I'll give you that later. Um, speaking of emails, I did receive a question via email from a loyal listener who says that he or she likes my song. So thank you for that. Um, this email says, I know that after age 72, I can send my IRA distributions to a charity and avoid taxation to me and the charity. Is this also true prior to age 72? During my 60s, can I fund my favorite charities from my IRA and avoid taxation? That's a great question. I am sorry to say that the answer to that is no. Um, a He's talking about a qualified charitable distribution, and um, exactly right. If you have a required minimum distribution from your IRA that you don't need, you don't need to use the money, and you're, like, bummed you have to take it out because you have to pay tax on it, instead of doing that, you can use a qualified charitable distribution to send that amount directly to the charity of your choice, and then you don't have to pay tax on that distribution from your IRA. Um, you have to be at least 70 and a half to do that without having to pay tax. So um, during your 60s, that's uh, not a tax solution for you. Um, I do understand if this helps you at all that um, you can now, I guess starting this year, um, you can have a $600 charitable distribution 
deduction on your taxes over and above the standard deduction. So that might be a piece of information that's helpful to you. So if you donate $600 to charity this year, you can actually deduct that from your taxes in in addition to the standard deduction. Um, so if you want more information on that, again, I encourage you to call um, our office during the weekend. You can speak directly to one of our tax experts. Um, I'm just passing that along because um, Diane, who heads up our tax department, shared that with me on behalf of a, a client um, in this past week or two, and um, that sticks out in my mind as maybe something that would still would still help you with taxes. But qualified charitable distributions are a wonderful tool. Um, while we're talking about them, I can give you a little more info if you hadn't heard about them before. If you transfer the money directly from your IRA custodian to the qualified charity, you know, payable to the charity, um, that is the way to do it so that you avoid the um, tax. Okay, and the most you can do for that is $100,000 in a year. Um, so that would that would apply to a traditional IRA, an inherited IRA, a SEP, a simple IRA. Uh, so those are you know nice ways to help somebody and also save some tax dollars. If you have any other questions about that, let me know. But I hope that answers your question. And I'm sorry um, that you can't do it until you are 70 and a half. All right, so let's see. I have some more questions for you to hear. Um, this one is a short and sweet one. It says, I've recently retired and need advice on drawing funds from my 401k or financing from equity in my home to pay for major home improvements. All right, so somebody's got major home improvements. Let's say maybe it's a kitchen remodel. Which I understand can be pretty pricey. So this is asking, should I take the money from my 401k to pay for it? Or should I get a home equity loan to pay for it? Well, it depends. <laughs> of course, you've heard us say that many times. Um, and why does it depend? Well, of course, it's best to assess your cash flow and your overall picture to make this decision. So there's lots of things we don't know from that very short um, email. Uh, what's, you know, how much do you need? How, how old are you? Let's start with that. We don't know how old you are. Are you still working? Um, do you, you know, how much money do you have in that 401k and how much are you going to need to spend in retirement? So, it, it, you know, it really kind of depends on what that balance is, on um, what you're going to need to live off of. Um, how much money do you need for the improvements? Lots of things that we don't know. But we can talk about a couple points that you can um, consider when weighing a decision like that. So keeping money in your 401k, except to use for retirement after you're retired, that's almost always going to be my guidance. Don't take money out of your 401k to use for something it's not intended for. Um, why? Well, the biggest thing is the money in there is growing um, tax shelter. So you owe no, owe no tax on it until you take it out as, you know, a distribution when it's taxed as income. All the growth that's happening in there and any kind of investment changes in there, you have no immediate tax obligations. And we talked earlier about compounding. So you keep it there, let it, let it ride, if you will. And compounding does extraordinary things. So you take the money out of there and you're missing out on opportunity. So um, another thing to keep in mind about the 401k is if you are younger than 59 and a half 
any withdrawals or distributions from that account will have a 10% penalty on top of the tax. So we don't want to pay a penalty. Try to avoid penalties at all costs. Now, uh, if you're talking about a home equity loan, that's, you know, financing, that's a loan. That means there's going to be interest on the loan. So you have to pay back the money that you borrow to spend on the home improvements plus more. So obviously it kind of increases the cost of your project. Something to keep in mind, though, is let's say um, let's say you can get a home equity loan for like 3% and your 401k is earning 7%. You could borrow money from your um, home equity and pay it back with money from the 401k and, you know, essentially make money because of, you know, the, the, the money you're earning in the 401k is it's growing at a higher rate than the money that you're borrowing, you know, costs. So those are some things you can keep in mind. So comparing those rates is a good idea. Um, the biggest thing to remember is that you can change your mind if you go that way. If you take a home equity loan to pay for your home improvements and then decide you don't want to keep that loan, you want to pay it off. And if using the money from your 401k is a way that you decide to pay it off later, fine. But if you start the opposite way and you take the money from the 401k and then you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had taken a loan instead. You can't put the money back in the 401k and say, like, let's reverse that decision. So you probably don't want to, you know, do something you can't undo um, if you're not sure um, quite yet. So you can kind of, you know, if you go the opposite way, if you borrow the money and then decide to pay it off sooner um, that gives you, uh, you know, it gives you some options. Um, another idea, uh, depending again on your age, um, you have to be 62 or older to do this. Um, you could actually take a line of credit via a reverse mortgage. So that's borrowing against the equity from your home and you can spend what you need. You don't have to spend, you don't have to take a loan and like spend it all. You get this line of credit, spend what you need. And you actually don't have to pay it back. Um, it's a very interesting concept, a little complicated, but a, re- a reverse mortgage can be a very powerful tool in the right situations. Um, at MTM, we have a reverse mortgage specialist who consults with our clients and prospects who can explain that option to you. So that might very well be um, a good tool for a situation like this. Again, if you're older than 62, if you have uh, equity in your home, then, you know, you have to qualify for it, but it is um, an option. It's an option to consider. And some people hear the words reverse mortgage and they think that sounds bad or scary, so, similar to the um, perceptions from annuities from years ago. Um, but the truth is there are lots of different um, elements to it. And if you understand how they work and, you know, apply it in the right situations, it's a great tool. So if you're interested in learning more about the reverse mortgage option, you can call our team and we can set you up with a consultation. It's no obligation, no cost. Sit down and talk about you know what you have, what you need, and whether or not that is the best way to, uh, to make it work. So keep that in mind. Um, I wanted to share something that has come up a couple times recently with um, people I've spoken with during the last a month or so, who asked me about whether or not 
they should use their extra money coming in, uh, you know, extra money from their from their paychecks that they that they don't need to spend right away. Whether they should use it to pay off debt or invest. So in one case, this question was a young person. She's eager to max out her Roth IRA contributions, which is an awesome goal. But she does have some credit card debt. Uh, in another case, I was meeting with a couple who are in their late 50s who have some credit card debt and a home equity line of credit along with a mortgage balance. And they're not sure which to tackle first. They know they want to get rid of the debt, but they're like, you know, which one should I go for? after first and at the same time I'm tempted to put more money you know away from retirement. So in both cases these are people who are working, who they're, they're contributing to their 401k's, taking advantage of the employer match, and they have been investing in retirement accounts so they have something started. So what do we say to somebody who asks that question cuz paying off debt and investing are both great goals, right? Um obviously our first priority is to make sure you've established an emergency fund. So I would back up a second. And these people, I already know their situations, but if I didn't know your full picture, I would say, well, do you have money saved in the bank that would cover your expenses for six months or so in case your income stream goes away? In case of some kind of emergency where you your paycheck stops, but you still have bills that need to get paid, do you have that emergency fund? Um, if the answer is no, that's my first priority is okay start putting away that extra money into that savings account i know it's not making much interest right now it's making zero interest right now but you need to have money that's available to cover those bills um in a case of an emergency so that's that's number one so let's say you've got that now taken care of now what do you do um my my guidance to these folks has been you know you need to compare the cost of the debt to the potential growth of your investments over the same time frame. Credit card debt has a very high interest rate. So it's likely costing you more in interest than you are potentially going to earn if that money was invested. Especially, you know, right now, um, we talked about this, like, you know, the market at its at this moment isn't at its strongest performance. So I recommend focusing on eliminating, oh, excuse me, that's easy for me to say, eliminating credit card debt before allocating extra money elsewhere. So anything with an interest rate above or around 10% or higher, try to get rid of it as soon as possible. Uh, you think, you know, if you take money that it, it's, it's that's costing you uh, money. And the example I, I like to give is, you know, let's say you went to the store and you bought, you know, a coat on your credit card and maybe that coat was even on sale. <laughs> But then you don't pay off that credit card bill immediately and you're carrying that balance month to month and the interest on that on that balance is, you know, expensive. That's a lot of money. So that coat costs you a lot more than the price tag um, that you saw at the store. So um, credit card debt is, you know, you try to try to get rid of that as soon as you can because it's costing you extra money. Whereas if you took that same amount of money and put it into an investment account and it's not growing as much as it's costing you, you know, you're, you're, you're not really helping yourself. Low interest debt like mortgages and student loans, that's, that's different. Um, yes, eliminating the monthly payments is an appealing cash flow improvement. Um, but if you put extra money toward those loans instead of investing it, 
you could be missing out on growth that would exceed the amount of interest that you're paying. And always go back to that whole compounding thing, right? Your investments are going to grow substantially over time. So you kind of have to balance those priorities. That's another classic example of an it depends answer. Should I pay off my mortgage or should I put all this money into you know, retirement funds and an investment account? You really kind of need to prioritize based on you know what you've already saved for your future and what kind of maybe cash flow needs you anticipate. In some cases, it might make sense to get rid of that mortgage payment so that you're not tying up that money every month. Um, you have if you have some other use for it, and you know that's coming up. So when you meet with us, that's why we always ask all kinds of questions about uh, your goals and your needs, and try to make all of those priorities align. So um, just wanted to share those thoughts with you because if you're somebody who does have some um, credit card debt or any other you know loans, and you're not sure where to start, um, those are some things that you can keep in mind. And of course, when you sit down with us for a second opinion meeting, when we look at your overall picture, um, those are things that we talk about. So I hope that that is helpful for some of you. Uh, let's see. I've got some more emails that we can answer. Oh, this one is a follow-up from a previous discussion on this show. Um, this person wrote to Jean and said, last week, and I'm not sure I guess it was actually earlier in, in August. So in August, Jean spoke about utilizing $10,000 per year from a 529 plan to pay down school loans for a student who has already graduated. As it turns out, this is considered a qualified withdrawal by the federal government, but not by all state governments. I have decided to do this for my children, but I will have to pay the state penalty of 10% each year. Thought your listeners would appreciate the update. Thanks. So this is talking about using a 529 plan, which is an investment program to save for education, to pay off student loans. So rather than paying the tuition, paying for uh, room and board or books, using the 529 plan money, it's to pay off a student loan, some money they borrowed to pay those expenses. Um, and what this email says about it being a qualified withdrawal by the federal government means that the federal government says you can use 529 plan funds to pay off student loans and that money will not be taxed or penalized to take it out for that purpose. Whereas if you were to take money from a 529 plan to buy a car, the federal government would say, oh, sorry, you're going to have to pay tax and a penalty on that because that's not what the 529 plan was for. So... This person is saying that the state where he or she lives is going to basically charge them 10% um, to take money out of the 529 plan to pay off student loans. So um, I looked into this a little bit because it's one of those things where when there's different state rules, you know, you can't know them all um, necessarily off the top of your head. Um, first thing I want to clarify is that $10,000 a limit from a 529 plan to pay down student loans is per student and it's a lifetime limit. It is not an annual limit. So a total of $10,000 can go from a 529 to paying down a student loan. And then the other thing to note is then the interest on the loan is not eligible for a tax deduction if you use 529 plan money to pay for it. 
The other thing I learned is that Pennsylvania does not levy a penalty on these kinds of distributions. So from what I found, Pennsylvania is not going to say you have to pay a 10% penalty for using your money this way. I, um, I found a chart that says that California and Nebraska specifically say that state, I'm sorry, student loan debt is not a qualified use of a 529 plan distribution. So California and Nebraska are going to charge you that penalty. Um, but definitely check your state regulations before you make that decision. So find out for sure in the state where you live whether or not that would be an option. Um, so I would just want to thank this listener for following up with us on what uh, their experience was because, like, you know, it's one of those things where it depends where you live um, and you can have a different set of circumstances. So thank you for that. Um, let's see. There's some another little nugget that I can share with you from that awesome book I'm reading, The Psychology of Money. Um, this There was a whole chapter about essentially not being greedy. It says to know when you have enough. Don't take risks that jeopardize it. Stop moving the goalpost so that you can enjoy the satisfaction of accomplishment. So the author told a couple stories in this chapter about successful businessmen who were doing really well, but they wanted more. And then they committed fraud to get it. And then they lost it all. So here they had enough, but it wasn't really enough for them because they were greedy. And they went too far and then lost everything. One of those stories was about Bernie Madoff. Um, a couple other folks who, you know, names in this book you might not know, but they were uh, very relevant. I, re I recommend reading this book. It's very interesting. Um, but there's a quote on this that is um, good to keep in mind. It says, there is no reason to risk what you have and need for what you don't have and don't need. So there again, um, being content, being satisfied, and whether how do you know if you have enough? Well, that's when you consult a professional, and we can help you feel some peace of mind about where you are um, and where you need to be and if you're on the right track. But um, don't take unnecessary risks that are going to jeopardize your um, stability and your, your comfort because you could regret that. Um, I can answer one more email quickly before our next break. This one says, I am interested in an alternative to a will. I have a will, but from experience, I know that they can be changed without knowledge or agreement as we get older. I have two married children at two different ends of the state, and I want to know how I can be sure that they both get 50-50, as I have stated. Well, I'm not sure what you've heard about the ability to just change a will without people knowing about it, but my best advice to that person is to work with an experienced and trusted estate planning attorney who will set up your will correctly and maintain proper documentation because a will that's done the right way can't just be changed without your knowledge or your agreement. Um, and that's not just any lawyer you want to go to to get your will. You want a trusted and experienced estate planning attorney. Uh, we know a great one. So if you need one, uh, we can give you that referral. 
But um, yeah, that that you've kind of got some bad information. But if you work with the right person, you could be confident that your wishes can be followed. Um, other options: use beneficiaries when they're available on your accounts and assets. Transfer on death um, uh, is a way to you know set up an account that it's going to go directly to your heirs. Um, so make sure the kids inherit the things that um, you want them to inherit. So there's other things besides a will that are very effective tools for passing along uh, your wealth. You can title assets correctly. You can set up trusts. You can use lifetime giving. Lots of really good strategies that an estate planning attorney will guide you toward, and a financial advisor can help you uh, make sure that the things that you have that will allow those options, you know, make sure they're set up correctly so that you don't have to worry about whether or not your kids get what you want them to get. I hope that is helpful. If you have any questions, you let us know and we will hook you up with that estate planning attorney. It is time for our break. Uh, Give us a call after the break at 610-720-7900 if you have a question or send me an email. We'll be back soon with some more information and some more Q&A. DJ Khaled with Jennifer Lopez. Thank you, John, for pulling up that song. That's one of the more fun and maybe a little riskier song ideas I've come up with over the last couple of weeks. But uh, I'm a Jennifer Lopez fan. I actually saw Jennifer Lopez perform live in Las Vegas a couple years ago. I was there for a trade show with my former employer, and I went to see her at, I forget which casino she was performing at, but um, she's pretty amazing. And um, I like her music. Like I said, I like all different kinds of music. But that song is called Dinero, and I think it's pretty appropriate. So thanks, John, for pulling that up. We've got we've been talking about lots of ideas, lots of song ideas. I don't know if that one is kind of uh, the genre that you all like, but um, I like it. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's John says that's all that counts. Um, if you have a question for me, please give me a call at 610-720-7900 or send me an email, alyssa at askmtm.com. I uh, just had some of my water here. I had a, an unfortunate incident happen to me, I think it was now two weekends Whoa. ago. Someone stole my iron flask. I had this 40-ounce iron flask that I brought with me everywhere. Um, It keeps my water really cold. And I was going for a long run and I put it down um, at a trailhead where I knew I would pass by and where I would need some water. And I sat it like next to a boulder on the ground and someone took it. I was running and I got to that point at like five and a half miles and it was gone. And I'm still not over it because I'm drinking out of this 
cheapo plastic uh, water bottle that doesn't keep my water cold, and I haven't um, bought a replacement yet. But if the person who took my water bottle is listening, I didn't appreciate that very much, and um, you're going to regret that you took such a big water bottle because it didn't fit in the cup holders in my car. <laughs> so that was the biggest problem with it, trying to transport it without it rolling around all over the place. Um, so I wanted to sh- tell you that we have a tax team. I know that you know that, but it's a good reminder. They were away this week for a tax forum, getting some continuing education, fill their brains with lots of stuff. Um, and so, you know, they're always learning because things are always changing. Just like the call earlier about whether or not you need to take your RMD this year, things are always changing. And our tax team is doing what they need to do to keep on top of the current rules and regulations and laws so you can trust them to take care of you. Um, And I I actually have um, a tax-related question that I helped answer for a prospective client who's becoming a client. Um, And they wanted to know what was the most tax-efficient way to pay for their daughter's upcoming wedding, using their 401k or using an investment account. And I was able to teach them a little bit about um, how those things are taxed. And I'll share that with you in case it's something that you don't know either. Um, I said don't use the 401k. Um, Even though these folks were old enough to take money out of their 401k to avoid penalties, you know, like we talked about a little while ago before the break, um, keeping your money in there is going to continue tax-deferred growth Um, But the money that you do take out of the 401k is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. And these people, uh, the husband's still working. So their tax bracket is high. And so that money that comes out of the 401k would be taxed just like um, his paycheck is. Now, in an investment account, you pay capital gains tax. And if it's long-term capital gains, it's a lower rate. If it's short-term, it's at the same rate as your income tax, which is a higher rate. So what does that mean? Long-term is if you hold a security for at least a year, a year or more, when you sell it, the difference between how much you paid when you bought it and how much you paid when you sell it is your capital gain, and that amount is taxed. If it's been more than a year, the tax rate on that is lower than if it's been a couple of months, you pay a higher tax rate. So when what I advise these folks was if we're managing your investment account for you, when you transfer your holdings from your existing custodian to Charles Schwab where we can manage it for you, I can see all that capital gains information and make decisions about what to sell. So let's say their account has, you know, half of its long term and half of its short term. Some things that we can do to minimize the tax burden would be to sell some of the stuff they've held for a long period of time and pay a lower tax rate on it. And then the other way, um, tax loss harvesting, would be maybe there's some short-term holdings that have depreciated during the time that they've held them, and then there's some that have appreciated. And if we sell some of the stuff that's lost some money and some of the stuff that's made some money, we can cancel out those capital gains and have no tax bill. So all of that information is available to us and we can make strategic decisions about what securities to liquidate if you need cash out of your account. So I 
did advise, let's use the investment account, not the 401k. Let that go. Keep that growing. Use that for retirement. But when we're taking money out of the investment account, we can be careful about what we're selling, what we're using um, so that we can, like I said, minimize the tax bill, but at least prepare for it. You don't have to just, you know, hold your breath and wait until you're doing your tax return to know how much money you're going to owe. We can um, we can make you know decisions that you can at least prepare for. So um, you're also uh, welcome to consult our tax team if you're. Um, needing some help and you know it's nice for me as a financial advisor to have them right there in the same building so I can consult them for insight about how decisions with investments will affect my clients tax liability Um, your advisor might say sorry I can't talk to you about taxes like these folks that's what they heard Um, they if they don't have a tax team you know that they can't give you that advice it's sort of important um you're missing out there on an opportunity so um, i'm really grateful to have our tax team to to ask questions like that and make sure we're on the right track um speaking of that i actually had another example that i went to our tax team for and i thought i would pass this along as well um i have a a client who was trying to determine if they needed to increase their estimated tax payment for January because there would be some capital gains um, that they're they're going to owe some tax on as well. And we were running some numbers because this is also a tax client. So we were running some numbers to see what their liability was going to be and how some things would change, you know, where their tax bill netted out. And it turns out that they have a daughter who started uh, college this fall. And so they have some, you know, tuition. So our wonderful tax team, Diane specifically, um, plugged in some numbers, and we learned that the college credit that th- this couple will get on their income tax return um, is actually going to help them get, uh, you know, a refund. So uh, I thought I would just share some information about what that tax credit is, so that you know what to expect if maybe you have a first-time uh, college student in your household. So this is called the American Opportunity Tax Credit, and it is for qualified education expenses for an eligible student during the first four years of higher ed. It's a maximum annual credit of $2,500 per student. And even if if getting this credit brings your tax to zero and you have, um, you know, like, it doesn't. It's not going to cancel out a tax liability. You can actually get forty percent of any remaining credit refunded to you. So if this credit would take you down to zero, you can get up to a thousand dollars in the form of a refund, uh, which is pretty cool. So the way that this is calculated is the first two thousand dollars of qualified education expenses is credited. So that's a hundred hundred percent of the first two thousand dollars. And then 25% of the next $2,000. That comes to $2,500. Tuition fees that are required for enrollment, course materials, those are all qualified expenses to earn you that $2,500 tax credit. So just to clarify what I said about the amount, just for example, if you only spent $1,000 you're only going to get $1,000. If you only spend $2,000, you'll get $2,000. If you spend more than $2,500, you still only get $2,500. <laughs> so I hope that helps. And as far as eligibility, um, you know, there's, of course, there's lots of rules. Uh, it is important to recognize that this is just for first four years, so not like a master's degree or anything like that. 
And um, eligibility-wise, this is available for people with a gross income of less than $80,000 or for people who are married filing joint, it's less than $160,000. And then you can get a reduced tax credit for incomes up to $90,000 or $180,000 if you're filing jointly. So that's something good you can expect if you're paying for college. Um, And I was happy to give that news to my client to say, hey, you have a little bit of a break. Um, I have another college-related question, but we'll hold on to that because we have someone on the line. Uh, Clark is calling with a question. Hi, Clark. Thanks for calling. How can I help you this morning? Yes, clarification on the 529. Yeah. Is that per account or is that per student? Uh, you're talking about the the thing I was talking about with the $10,000. Um, yes. Yes, it's per student. Okay, so if the parents have a 529 and the grandparents have a 529 on the same student, can they each apply 10000 Uh That's a good question, Clark. That, that's a very specific um, circumstance. I, I, I don't know. Um, the same could apply to grandparents if the grandfather has a 529 mm-hmm. and the grandmother has a 529. Okay. It's a matter of multiple 529 plans, and when you when you deal in aggregate, what does that mean? Aggregate for 529 plans or aggregate per student? Yeah, um, we'll have we'll have to look at the exact rules to see. Make sure if you can do it aggregate, obviously that gives you a whole lot of uh, buying power, if you will. Um, right. Well, of course, you yeah. wait. To, you wait. You put the 529s in the grandparents' name, and it's not uh, counted against the student when it comes to financial aid. Mm-hmm. And then you wait till after the sophomore year to start, you know, paying stuff down. Um, the other issue is compounding. Compounding also has effect on uh, taking uh, your uh, Social Security. I mean, if you took it at 62 versus taking it at 65 or 66, whatever, you know, or 67 it's going to be. Uh-huh. For example, this year, 5% or 6%, which is what they're kicking around, would have a different effect on 1500 versus 2000 Sure. Yeah, the Social Security question and strategy, there's, um, you know, compounding is definitely one of the factors we look at, but um, we also look at the, you know, the, the cash flow needs and the life expectancy. There's a lot of different that's, components. That's why you get the, the debt down that right. you have. That's right. Set a goal as to timing it with taking Social Security. So the, the other side of the equation, the, the expense side, is almost as important as what the income side is. Yeah, that's right. We have to look at the whole picture because they all they affect each other for sure. All right, Alyssa. Thanks for calling, Bye. Clark. Uh, right. Appreciate it. Thanks for Bye-bye. listening. Bye-bye. Um, the 529 plans and um, college expenses, there's uh, a lot of, of different things um, you know to know. I, I was looking this up here, and I found something online that says um, – $10,000 maximum is a lifetime limit for a beneficiary and each sibling. 
a family with two children can take out a maximum of $20,000 to pay down their student loans. Um, so, yeah, again, getting into the whole, you know, the grandparents to, um, you know, at all, it's all that whole it depends answer, right? It depends. I'm actually uh, working on learning even more about how to help people um, pay for college, save money on college. Um, I think it's a really important um, topic that, you know, really co college, the cost of college is a threat. It risks your retirement, um, you know, stability. It, it, it can threaten your ability to save for retirement. It can deplete your account that you've worked so hard to save. So um, there's a lot of things that are important to, to learn and strategies to know, not only about saving and using that 529 plan money the right way, but then how you're spending the money on college. So um, I have been studying up on that and working on it, and I hope to be able to give you even more insight into that in the you know coming months and years. Um, and speaking of it, it's a good segue, so thank you for the call, Clark. Um, I have another email that's related to college expenses, so we'll um, go through this one, and then we'll put that topic aside for today. Um, this is from a woman who has a question about college financial aid. She started her email with a nice compliment about Jean's PBS show and said that she loves it and the caring that goes into it and says that it's a great benefit to the community. So thank you for that nice compliment. Um, this woman's youngest child attends as a freshman an out-of-state out of state private college. Her school requires the FAFSA and CSS for financial aid determination. She also has a son two years older who attends a state school in Pennsylvania and another son four years older who works full time and attends community college. She says, we do not utilize any financial aid for my sons, but it's a very important consideration regarding our daughter's education. My husband and I have saved our bonuses from work and accumulated enough to pay off the remaining balance of our mortgage, about $21,000, 15 months early. Congratulations. She says, I love the idea of owning our home outright. Can you help me understand pros and cons from a college financial aid perspective of continuing to carry the mortgage uh, and investing the money versus having a $0 mortgage payment? Um, the FAFSA asks for the value of our investments, while the CSS asks for that as well as our monthly mortgage payment and the estimated value of our home. So what this really boils down to, you know, the question is, will we be eligible for more financial aid if we pay off the mortgage or don't pay off the mortgage? Um, the FAFSA is a form that helps you determine your federal aid, and that ignores the equity in your primary home. The CSS is a form that determines your state and institutional financial aid, and you do report your equity in your home on that. Um, I would say the short answer, like, you know, that amount of a, a mortgage balance is probably not going to make a huge impact on, on your aid one way or another. But one idea here to keep in mind is that being an out-of-state student I think federal aid's probably more likely than state aid for this for this student. Um, so, the I would prioritize the FAFSA 
uh, where equity in your home is not going to work against you. So that might be an argument for paying off the mortgage. Um, Another consideration, you know, comparing that mortgage interest rate to the student loan interest rate. So if you would be borrowing money to pay back a student loan, you want to be careful about that and make sure, you know, you're not um, paying more than in interest than you would if you went the other direction. So another, you know, interesting question. And like I said, um, there's a, a lot to learn about strategies for college. And I hope to be able to help more people with things like that. Um, but I thank this woman for her question. And, you know, I would say lean toward that FAFSA, but we can certainly talk in more detail. Um, there might be some other things in their situation that would play into it that we don't know just from that email. So um, that's, I think that's all my college topics for today. But while we're talking about young people, I just want to go back to another awesome section of that book, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. This part is an awesome lesson for kids, and it's something I've tried to instill in my own kids. I have a 16-year-old and an almost 12-year-old, and the lesson here is that wealth is what you don't see. A quote from the book is, spending money to show people how much money you have is the fastest way to have less money. I'm going to repeat that again because I think it bears repeating. Spending money to show people how much money you have is the fastest way to have less money. So your worth or your wealth is your income that you don't spend. And what's interesting about this is that, you know, kids especially, uh, I've, I've heard it, I've seen it. Uh, they see what people have. They see what they've spent their money on. And they think that that is their measure of success. And that's their barometer to compare people's success. But wealthy people's success is hidden because you can't see their account balances. So you can see the people who have spent their money on things. Maybe those people also have huge account balances or they might have huge credit card debt. You don't know their actual situation. But to somebody like, you know, like a child looking on the surface, comparing a fancy, fancy homes and fancy vacations and boats and cars and things like that, um, that's what they look at as, ooh, you know, this person must be doing really well because they have all this stuff or they've spent their money on, you know, fancy clothes and shoes and all that stuff. They go out all the time, et cetera, et cetera. They think that they're successful because of that. But wealthy people meaning people who have money saved up, invested, you know, nest egg, money for their future, uh, you, can't see, you can't see that success. And wealth gives you freedom. It gives you flexibility. It gives you options. So wealth isn't about giving you stuff. It's about giving you the ability to wake up and do whatever you want today. Uh, that's pretty um, appealing to me. The ability to wake up and do whatever you want, that's what wealth gets you. Uh, this book says controlling your time is the highest dividend that money pays. Controlling your time. Not your stuff, but your time. Your freedom, your flexibility, and your options. So that's something if you have kids, maybe share that with them. Wealth is what you don't see. And spending money means you have less wealth. Pretty good advice, I think. 
Um, all right, let's see. I got some more questions we can answer. We have time for one more before our break. This one says, Dear Mr. Dickison, I'll answer on his behalf. I hope you don't mind. Um, I certainly can use your insight into my dilemma. I'm 75 and seriously considering moving into a continuing care retirement community. There seem to be two options. One is a steep initial buy-in with a reasonable monthly charge for service rendered. And option two is a lesser buy-in and a steeper monthly charge for service. I've got monthly income of about $6,000 from Social Security, pension, and an annuity. I have about $350,000 in a money market. Should I do the lower buy-in with the higher monthly charge? Or should I cash in my annuity at $150,000 and use the higher buy-in? I have three kids and a grandchild to whom I would like to leave some inheritance. I am very confused. Although I live independently now, I cannot foresee the future and want to be prepared. Thank you in advance for your advice. So this comes down to cash flow. This is pretty nice monthly income of $6,000. So my first question to this nice woman would be, can you afford the steeper monthly charge using your income stream? If you can, go with the option where you pay less up front and you pay the steeper monthly charge because then you can keep your accumulated assets intact and potentially then leave more um, to your, you know, your kids and your grandchild in the future. If you can't afford the monthly charge, then you, know, you have to do the steeper monthly buy-in and pay less per month. So this really is a cash flow option, um, and we can help you figure that out. We also strongly recommend looking into the programs or options at the facilities that you're considering moving into uh, because they often have um, – I don't know too much about this, but on the surface I know that they'll have um, the ability for you to – like if you don't spend – um, everything you've put in, depending on how long you live there, um, that leftover money um, investment can go to you know your family. They can inherit it. So you should also check into that um, to see what the options are, so that you have that peace of mind that you know if you're not there for very long and you've given them a bunch of money, um, will that money then go you know back to your family? Um, so that's something to check out. Um, another idea for you would be to research what would be the premium of a life insurance policy that you could um, buy with your children and grandchildren as beneficiaries, um, just so you have that peace of mind that you know they're going to get something when you, when you are gone. Um, you know, you, if you can afford that in your cash flow, uh, that might be another option to consider. Buy some life insurance, know that there's a, you know, a good chunk of money coming their way when you pass on to the next dimension um there's lots of options so check that out and if you need some more help um we'd be happy to talk specifics with you so i think that that will bring us to our final break um i will be back for another half hour before our show's over give us a call at 610-720-7900 if you have another question of your own that you want to squeeze in today's episode of more than money or send me an email to Alyssa at askmtm.com sounds like john's gonna close us out of this segment with some more jennifer lopez so if you need to dance a little bit you know go for it we'll be back in a couple of minutes
name of that song? John tells me that's Frankenstein, and he chose it because it's October, and it's almost Halloween, so that is seasonally appropriate. As you know, we are mixing up the tunes when Jean's away, <laughs> playing whatever songs we want. We love the Natalie Merchant song, but, you know, a little variety is always good. So thank you, John, for having fun with me with my music. Um, I don't know. Tell me what you th- think about the J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez song. I'm kind of partial to that. That's just me, though. Uh, you can send me an email at alyssa at askmtm.com. Uh, we have about 25 minutes or something like that left in today's show where you can call me at 610-720-7900 if you have a question or a comment. Um, it's one month until the general election. Yes, it is October 2nd, and the general election is on November 2nd. So I wanted to let you know that if you're not registered to vote in Pennsylvania, you have until October 18th to do that. And you have until October 26th to request a mail-in ballot. So keep those deadlines in mind. I'm back with my trusty print edition of the Express Times in my hand because... On page A5 today, uh, the races that are um, open for us to vote in, the contested races, are listed here. Um, There are some state races for Supreme Court Justice, Superior Court Judge, Commonwealth Court Judge, and there are some referendum questions that look to all be about specific people on the Superior and Commonwealth Courts. And then for local races, we've got Northampton County Executive, County Council, uh, Magistrates, um, District Judges. Uh, Bethlehem's got a mayor uh, race. There are township supervisor races, borough council races. Um, We have school district, school director races. So if you uh, want to have a say in who's representing you, Um, The election is on November 2nd, so you can vote by mail or you can vote in person. Make sure you take that opportunity um, to research the uh, candidates and what they stand for. And um, I'm scrolling through here to see if any of these candidates have Libertarian Party after their name, and I'm not seeing any. We've got lots of Democrats and Republicans. I'll keep my comments about that to myself. Um... One of the things that I wanted to share with you from that awesome book, The Psychology of Money, that I've been reading while I brush my teeth is about how to build wealth. We talked earlier about how wealth is what you don't see and how it gives you um, the ability to control your time. So how do you get there? Um, Morgan Housel in his book says, building wealth has more to do with your savings rate than your income or your investment returns. So you can power this by being frugal and efficient. Wealth is just, this is a direct quote from the book, wealth is just the accumulated leftovers after you spend what you take in. So the author says you can build wealth without a high income, but you can't build wealth without a high savings rate. In other words, you could be making big bucks, but if you spend it all, you're not building wealth. You need to save in order to build wealth. You can make a modest income, 
but spend frugally and be efficient with how you spend and still save and build wealth, especially over time. The sooner you start that practice of being frugal and saving, the more time you have for that wealth to accumulate, to compound, to build, and you'll have that power over your time much sooner in life than someone who spends and spends and spends and then has to work and work and work and retirement feels impossible or really far away. So uh, a couple weeks or maybe a couple months ago already, time is a blur, um, Jean and I talked about ways to be frugal. And there are lots of things that you can control um, and how you spend and how you live that will help you save more and build more wealth. Um, <laughs> this is kind of a funny example, but uh, not too long ago, we canceled our dish satellite service at home because it was like such a waste. Like we, I felt like we all felt like we weren't really using it. We weren't watching um, much on TV because there's not much to watch on TV. So um, the bill would, you know, goes up every so often. And I'm like, ugh, I'm tired of paying for this. So we canceled Dish and instead got some less expensive streaming services that give us so many more options. Not that I have unlimited time to watch TV, but uh, when I do sit down for a half an hour at the end of the night to kind of unwind, you know, my husband and I like to watch something together and um, we have so many more options now, and it's on demand, you know, right at our fingertips. We started watching the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's hilarious. Love it. I didn't even know it existed before. I never would have been able to watch it on my dish, but we're spending a lot less money per month now to get uh, Hulu and Disney Plus, and we have Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, and there's so much content, and it's not costing us as much. So that was just one example of, okay, let's be frugal. However, my poor husband no longer is able to watch the Philadelphia Eagles on TV because we cannot figure out um, a free way to stream these games. And yes, there are. I know there are ways. And hey, if you have like a really great tip, please email it to me. Uh, we're not really willing to spend more for this because they're not worth watching right now. He's like, it's not worth my time or my money to watch them right now because they stink. But if, if the team gets a little better, we're going to need a solution. I thought that our ESPN Plus service would be the ticket. It's not. and I haven't invested enough time figuring out how to get the Eagles on our TV. But we still think that it's worth the savings. Um, you know. And then on the other hand, we not that long ago finally started paying for unlimited data on our phones. And we were being frugal for a long time, um, we thought, you know, with limited data that we would share. And every month it was stressful when, when my son started using data on his phone, too. And it was like, ah, we're going up against our three megabyte limit or three gigabyte, excuse me, three gigabyte limit. Um, you know, don't go over, don't go over. Well, now we're paying for unlimited data and it is a very huge improvement in our quality of life. <laughs> So some things are worth spending money on. Some things are not. You have to find those opportunities to be efficient and focus on your savings rate. And that's how you will build wealth and you will enjoy that freedom and flexibility and control over your time uh, in your life. That is pretty awesome. All right. I have some more emails we can answer. This one says, my wife and I have done very well this year, and we're afraid we're going to get really socked with taxes next spring. 
any ideas to help us out? Um, well, that sounds like a good problem to have. Um, although I would start by saying define what you mean by have done very well. Because that could mean earnings. Like, you know, was there, there they got a raise, they got promotion and their paycheck went up. Or do they mean in their investments? Like, has their, you know, has have their accounts really appreciated in value? So depending on what you mean by have done very well, we have a couple different um, pieces of advice, a couple of different uh, insights for you. So let's say we're talking about income and you're worried about, wow, I made so much more money. Um, my taxes are going to go up just as much as my paycheck. Well, there's a couple things you can do there. Um, one would be to maximize your 401k contribution. If you put the maximum in to your 401k, that will reduce your taxable income. Um, so all that money that goes into the 401k does not get income tax uh, levied on it right now. So that's one option. If you also, on top of that, contribute to a traditional IRA, you could put maximum contribution into that. And that is also deductible from your taxes. Uh, if you are um, younger than 50, you can put $6,000 a year into that IRA. After that, the limit goes up to 7000 So that's another way you can cut down your taxable income. Um, I mentioned earlier that charitable contribution deduction of $600 on top of the standard deduction that's available this year. So you could make a donation um, to a good charity of your choice, and there's another 600 bucks that can come off the top there. Um, so those are some ideas if you've done well income-wise, how you can kind of control your tax liability a little bit. On the investment side, uh, remember that you only owe tax on realized capital gains, meaning when you sell an appreciated asset and now have the cash, um, or on distributions. So ways you can control that would be, like I described a little while ago, only selling long-term holdings instead of short-term. So if you're saying, oh, we've done really well, meaning, wow, my investment account, you know, doubled in value or whatever um, you're saying, um, it, you don't owe any tax on that till you till you realize those capital gains. And if you're going to take um, oppor those opportunities, then you want to sell only your long-term holdings so that you're spending or you're, you're paying a lower tax rate on it. Um, or we can go back to that tax loss harvesting idea where if you have short-term gains and short-term losses, you can sell some of each to balance them out and net out at a zero short-term capital gain. Uh, depending on your age, if you qualify, uh, another way to reduce that tax would be the qualified charitable distributions. Talked about those earlier. So if you would have RMDs, uh, required minimum distributions from retirement accounts, and you don't need that money, and you don't want to pay tax on that money, give it straight to a charity, and you don't have to pay tax on it. Uh, another idea, too, would be gifting. Gifting is a long-term strategy you could use if you expect the situation that you're in to continue. And that would be the idea of giving highly appreciated securities as a gift to someone who's in a lower tax bracket so that it will cost them less to uh, enjoy those capital gains than it would cost you in taxes. So, you know, if you have a stock that you bought, uh, you know, at 
$10 a share and it's now worth $60 a share. And, um, you know, if you were to sell it, your tax rate would be high. Um, it would be, you know, expensive capital gains tax. But if you gave that stock to a child or maybe to someone, you know, who's elderly, either one being in a lower tax bracket than you, um, it's a way to give a gift and also then avoid the tax bill of your own. So those are some ideas for you who is concerned about um, being socked with taxes next spring because you've done very well. So again, good problem to have. Um, we have some options there for you to consider. And again, if you need some additional more specific assistance, we would be happy to help you with that. So uh, give us a call. Um, we have second opinion meetings that we offer where we can talk about your retirement plan, your investments, you know, your investment strategy and um, whether it makes sense for you. Um, Social Security and Medicare. So we mentioned this earlier, too, like when does it make sense to take your benefit? Um, what about survivor benefits and um, when when to start one versus the other, like your your own versus your survivor benefit? Um we can do second opinion meetings about your life insurance and annuities anywhere from like, do you still need your life insurance policy or should you get one and what would it cost you? Um, long-term care insurance. What are your options? Is it you know, something feasible for you? Is the premium something feasible? Annuities. We can do um, an annuity audit where if you have an annuity that you don't understand or you don't know if it's still worth keeping it or should you annuitize it or what options does it have and you know do they fit your needs we can look at all that information that you have about what you already own and then explain it to you and then advise whether or not it's the right fit or if there's better options for you to consider uh, we offer free will reviews so bring in your will does it cover everything you need are there any gaps you need to fill um if you don't have a will, we can talk about what information you need to decide in order to draft one. And then I also talked earlier about the reverse mortgage idea. So all of those things are, you know, initial meetings, consultations, no cost, no obligation. But you can come in and um, bring your info, bring your questions, and we will talk through it with you. We do have dates on the calendar this month and in November and December for the life insurance or annuity audits, for meetings with our Social Security and Medicare specialists, and also for free will reviews. Um, the dates that are closer are filling up. So, um, you know, call as soon as you can if you're interested in meeting soon. Uh, and then as time goes on, you know, we schedule out farther and farther. So before long, we'll have dates open in January and February as well. But there are some open time slots right now in November and December and maybe a couple this month yet. So if you're interested in getting on the calendar, just call our office and someone will take down your info and schedule that appointment for you. And we'd be happy to help. Uh, let's see. So, oh, this is an interesting topic because I just mentioned the will reviews and whether or not there's like a gap in the documents that you have, uh, if they cover everything that you need. Um, one of the things that some some people come into our office with a will, but they don't have powers of attorney. And our our estate planning attorney that is our partner with us explains to them that they also need 
the powers of attorney. So I wanted to explain what is a difference between um, a trusted contact, a power of attorney, and a trustee. These are lots of fancy words that you might hear discussed a lot, and um, I thought it might be helpful to kind of break down what they are and the difference between them. So when you work with us and we're like opening an account for you, we'll ask you for a trusted contact. And that is someone that we as your financial advisors can contact if we can't locate you or we're concerned about you like being incapacitated somehow. So, um, you know, let's say it's time for your quarterly review because the MTM financial advisors meet with you every 90 days to talk about what's going on in your life and how your investments are doing and making sure everything's still on the right track. Um, and if we can't get a hold of you and you don't answer, you're not answering your phone or not answering your email and maybe it's unlike you, uh, but you're being unresponsive or you call or email us with a very unusual request. It just doesn't sound like you. Um, and we're not so sure that we believe that you're making a decision that, you know, sounds char- is, is out of character, maybe I should say. Um, if we have genuine concerns that there's something wrong or we're not sure if you're okay, we would contact your trusted contact to see what's going on. Now, that's not someone we can discuss your account with. And it's not someone who can make decisions about um, your investments or anything. It's just someone to help us find out if you're okay or to put us in touch with you. Okay, so that could be a family member or a friend, but it gives us another contact point. A power of attorney is someone who can make decisions for you. They have legal authority to act on your behalf. Um, Their powers can be broad or they can be limited I mean, did you know that even your spouse can't make decisions about your individual accounts, like your IRA, if you're not able to make those decisions on your own? Your spouse can't do them on your behalf unless he or she is appointed to be a power of attorney to manage your individual accounts. So you kind of might assume, ah, you know, if I'm in the hospital and unconscious and we need money out of my account to pay for whatever, my medical bills or something, my husband or or wife can take care of it. No, they can't if they don't have the legal authority to do that. Um, A power of attorney also can be responsible for medical decisions. So, you know, what kind of care you want or don't want, it's important to specify that. And a power of attorney is only effective while you, the owner, is alive. Okay, so when we come in, uh, when people come in for the will reviews, We often ask if they have a power of attorney as well uh, because that's going to be, you know, important depending on your end of life situation if you need somebody to be able to make decisions for you. And then the third term I threw out there is trustee. So a trustee is someone who only has authority to manage assets that are inside of a trust. So that's like if if you put funds or assets or whatever into a trust so that they will be able to go to a designated, um, you know, beneficiary when you pass. Um, The person who is the trustee is responsible for managing those things, making sure that they get where they belong, to whom they belong, and that your wishes are carried out. So the trustee's powers are spelled out very specifically in a trust agreement. And that person has a legal duty to fulfill the trust agreement and act in the best interest of the trust's beneficiaries. So that's a role that obviously continues after the person who granted them 
this power is is gone. After the grantor dies, the trustee has that power and that ability. Um, and the assets that are in a trust avoid the probate process. So that makes it easier to get um, to get to whom they belong. It makes it a little faster. So those are the differences between a trusted contact, a power of attorney, and a trustee. Um, just some info for you if you're hearing those terms thrown around and you're unclear on what they mean. All right, so we have a couple of minutes left. I think there's somebody on our on the phone. John is on the phone with somebody who wants to talk to us. Uh, let's see, what do we got, John? This is Stephen. Hi, Stephen. How can we help you in the last couple of minutes of the show? Good morning, Alyssa. Um, I'll try and make this as concise as possible since we only have a couple of minutes. Um, a, um, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. B, by the tenor of your voice and the tempo which you run the show, I would never have guessed you were anywhere near my age. <laughs> but uh, kudos. Thanks. And my question is, I've done a lot of work to my house. I mean a lot. Roofing, siding, windows, heating, air conditioning, blew out walls, new kitchen, new bathrooms. Okay. What I'd like to do is pick my house up and move it south. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be and nice. I can't. Um, what I'm wondering is, is there a way that I can? What would be the what would be the best way to use the money I have invested in my house to move south without just giving it away? So you don't plan to keep both, uh, keep your house here too. I can't afford to keep my house yeah. and buy another house. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the investments you've made in your house have increased its value. Um, so, you know, I know we only we only have like two minutes left, so I don't want to be too uh, too abrupt. But I would say that, you know, your goal is going to be to make sure that when you sell your home, you are getting compensated for all of those investments. Right. And you're selling it for for what it's worth. Um those kinds of improvements that you made should really be reflected, I would say, in the sales price. And, um, you know, hopefully that gives you the opportunity then to walk away with a nice chunk of money that you can use to relocate um, and maybe even have some extra to to invest for your future. Um, I don't, you know, without having time to get into the specifics, um, the whole idea, too, if it were to be um, beneficial to you, um, we could talk about the reverse mortgage option, too, as a way to use equity in your home to buy a new house. But I won't know if that's applicable to your situation or your needs or anything without, obviously, further discussion. Um, okay. So, I, yeah, I would hope that the money that you've invested will pay off and, you know, you can sell your house for more than somebody who sells a similar house who didn't make all those improvements. Um, that's, you know, the, the goal, right? We enjoy the improvements while we live there, and then hopefully it increases the value of the home uh, when it's time to sell. Um, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know if there was anything like a rent with an option to, to own that would um, reward the renter with a lower sales price if they took care of the property while they were renting it. Interesting. show that. Uh, we can talk about that in more detail. If you want to send me an email or give us a call at the office and uh, we'll, we'll go through some options with you, okay? Because I have to wrap up the show now, but I'd be happy to continue the conversation with you off the air. Um, thank you for calling this morning. Thank you for listening. And thanks to all of our listeners today. Um, 
you can reach us at the MTM office at 610-746-7007. Come visit us on Hanoverville Road in Lower Nazareth Township. Send me an email, alyssa at askmtm.com. Thanks so much for letting me join you on this Saturday morning. Enjoy your weekend, and I will be back here with Gene next week for another edition of More Than Money. Yeah.